Do you find yourself running out of time to accomplish your work? Are you spending time doing things that you're not that good at? There are effective ways to outsource these tasks so you can focus on your business. This is the Virtual Success Show. We bring the inside scoop on outsourcing success for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Malouf and Barbara Turley. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Virtual Success Show, where I'm joined by my co-host, Barbara Turley. Good afternoon, Barb. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. I'm really, really excited about today's show. And the reason I'm excited about it is because I think it's one of those topic areas where a lot of people avoid the conversation. And the conversation we want to be having with you all today is understanding when to fire your VA. When is it time to let them go? And as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this only because it's one of those areas that often is not discussed until it's too late. Absolutely, yeah. And I see that happen a lot within our business, um, you know, for clients. And it, it's, a re- it's, it's a difficult area. And also the sort of two things I want to touch on with this topic. There's when to fire your VA. Um, sometimes people fire them too early. As in, you sort of get into this churn and burn cycle of, you know, they're not good enough, get a new one. They're not good enough, get a new one. Um, And then other people we find try really hard and probably allow things to go on way too long until the point at which they're getting railroaded by someone. So, you know, sometimes, I mean, obviously by the nature of my business, I'm very pro VAs on these podcasts. But I am also very aware that sometimes you have done all the right things. You followed all the things that we talk about and you actually just have a person who's not either good enough for the role or who is actually doing the wrong thing by you as a, an employer. Um, and that's a tricky thing to face. Matt. Which one are we going to start with, Bob? <laughs> uh, they're both like, let's start. Why don't we start with um, the churn and burn? Yeah, because this is a common problem. So um, when so, so often we see people hiring someone and they just decide very quickly after two weeks, oh, they're not good enough. It's just not going to work out. Um, and really, I think there are there are boxes to tick before you make the decision to fire someone. Uh, there's actually a lot of boxes to tick. Um, sometimes, and, and I mean, there's so many shows we've done on this. You know, sometimes it's people who you're you've no processes in your business or you've no systems and you've tried to kind of just offload a task list on someone and they don't even know how to find your files or navigate your business. So that's the kind of the the most basic sort of major problem. Um, Other times we do see people, and you'd see this as well, Matt, people who have got processes or task lists, but they're too vague. So there's a lot of holes in them, which is a major problem. And what happens is that you delegate that to somebody, they take it on and it's full of mistakes and you can't understand why and you want to blame them, but you probably have a good person. It's just that there are holes in the process that, you know, you you can't see and they don't understand basically from the process problem. And the final one, I guess, and we've done a three part series on this is communication. I mean, an understanding uh, the learning style of your person that is working with you how you communicate effectively with them for win-win situations, 
how to give effective feedback. And I would encourage anyone listening to this that we've done shows on all of the things that I've just talked about. So I guess you've got to tick those boxes first before you get into the when to fire someone. Um, Matt, would you agree or, you know, what what do you think about? I do. And and I think that if in the first two weeks you're um, thinking you want to get rid of your virtual assistant, and you've really got to sit there and go, okay, well, let's dissect this. What specifically aren't they doing um, that, that I thought they would be doing? Have I communicated my expectations clearly enough? Uh, as Barbara was just talking, is it the system? So you've always got to come back and go, this this person may be trained uh, in this particular tool. Uh, is it the way we've documented or the way we do it that's different and they've got to learn? And one little thing I get people to do in coaching sessions which I think highlights this for a lot of people is if you were to get a pen in your non-writing hand and I asked you to write your name, uh, you would have to really focus and you know how to write, you know you know how to spell, but you're not used to writing with your non-writing hand versus then you put the pen back in your writing hand and you write your name and you don't even have, you could probably do it with your eyes shut and be neater than with your non-writing hand. And when you're bringing somebody in initially You've got to understand that for them coming into your business, it's like writing with their non-writing hand. And for you, particularly if it's the first time you've used a virtual assistant, it's like you writing with your non-writing hand also. And so often there's not enough energy that goes in to make it work. There's too much assumption that, oh, well, that this person presented an amazing resume and they've got this experience they will just know what to do. And, you know, it, again, I, you know, you, I, I repeat this often in this show, you know, whether it's locally or overseas, in your office, virtual, remote, it, it's the same. You know, you've got to make sure you set people up to win. And I think that too often in business, what I see is people moving so fast and there's so many things happening and they're juggling so many balls that they sort of throw a ball to someone and expect them to know what to do with it. And you know what, this 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 is for people who are experienced as well. I'm just thinking of you know roles I've brought into my business that are not just in the Philippines. And I've had to allow time, you know, for salespeople to pick up the script and to get it right and to fail at a few sales calls before we before we nail it. And it would be very easy to just say, oh, they're useless, get rid of them, you know? And then to get the next person in and churn through that person. And and I, I think sometimes if you've churned through more than two to three people, then it's time to start looking in back in the mirror rather than blaming everyone else, uh, potentially. Absolutely. At that, at that point. Yeah. If it continues to fail for you. Because the common the common person in all those all three scenarios <laughs> there is you. Yeah. So, so let's move on now to, but you know, there are times when, let's be honest, you, you either have a person who is slippery. That's the word I use in a virtual environment. People can be slippery, right? And what I mean by that is they can say they're there and they're not, and they can say they're doing work and it's not done. Um, and really the way to, to unearth this is to have a process in place that it unearths it for you. Now, what do I mean by that? So I'll be open. I've fallen into this trap myself a few times where I've been, you know, I've had slippery people on the team or I didn't have the oversight process nailed enough in order for me to be able to pick it up without being emotional. 
So what I'm saying here is that, um, and we've talked about shows, uh, we, we did a recent show about meeting rhythms and how often should you talk to your team and all that sort of thing. And one of the things that I found in my business that unearths this is if you have, we have a weekly huddle um, with the entire team. And we have rules during the week around everybody has their processes and their task lists laid out and what the expectation is. And one of my expectations in my business is that everybody collaborates inside of Asana, which is the project management tool that we use so that everybody is speaking to the necessary people within the task comments. So you have to update everyone there. And then on the weekly huddle, you need to come to the huddle prepared and you need to update the entire team on where you're at, uh, where your roadblocks are um, and what's stopping you moving forward. Um, and then a final piece of that whole puzzle is I do actually, everybody has to file things on our company G Drive within certain folders. Now, this is a fairly new thing I've brought in because there was too much sharing of files and people saving stuff all over the place where you couldn't actually find the damn thing and you couldn't see whether it was actually done. So, and they have to drop the links to those folders in the comments section of Asana so that people can quickly, and me as the owner, can quickly scan the comments and then I can click into something and actually see the work so I can have a level of oversight. Now, in that environment, it is very difficult for somebody to hide. And it's very apparent if work isn't being done. So I have had a situation, you know, quite recently where it was very apparent that a couple of people on the team just were not actually, they basically weren't doing the work and it was very easy to see it. And I think in that situation, um, we, ha we had addressed it in other ways initially to try to mentor them and, you know, try to see was there a deeper problem with them emotionally or were they feeling un like disconnected from the team or the culture? And it actually got to a point where those, it just became very obvious that they were slippery. They were, you know, not, not doing what they said they were doing and for, for all the wrong reasons. And we moved to remove those people from our team. So I think in a situation like that, it, it is time to stop the excuses because excuses will come. Um, and it's time to make a business decision that is unemotional about the fact that for whatever reason, that person is not able to deliver and is not delivering. And just to add another example on this, um, I remember a few years ago, we hired a uh, someone to come in and do some marketing for us. Um, and they were, they were actually in, they were in the States. So in the interviews, we'd negotiated, okay, given the time differences, this is your start time, this is your finish time. That we'd, we'd both agreed on and we'd agreed that, um, you know, log into Slack and, and, and make it, make everyone aware that you're, you know, just say good morning. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> morning one, um, nothing happened. I reached out after about an hour and a half that they were supposed to start. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm sorry. I forgot to write it. No worries. Morning two, same thing to no, no message. And I made it very clear that. Um, being on time and making everyone aware that you've started is really important. Morning three happens again. And I was like, you know what? I don't think this is going to work. And kindly we, we ended it there. And I think what you've got to get clear on is what's non-negotiable for you. Um, and, you know, in certain roles that we have in our business, start and finish time is, is not, not an issue. You can do the work whenever, as long as you hit the deadline. 
But in other roles, when you're working with others, knowing that they're there and they're on and we're all able to start work at a certain time and that's the agreeable standard uh, is really important. And that, in that particular role, that was the agreeable standard. And you know what? I think if in the early parts of a job you're not going to meet the standard, then it's probably not likely to happen at, at all through the job. And so um, we cut it off real quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I just wanted to give that other example where you've just got to get clear on your standards. And I think it's in not you know we could have we you know this was a classic case of on paper this person was outstanding, right? Credentials through the roof, experience through the roof, but they weren't they weren't respecting the standards that we had in our business and your standards or values are critically important and if you don't uphold it then nobody will actually stick to it and so we made that decision and we made it real quick because we it was really important i think in that instance to do that make that kind of decision quickly because it sends the message to the whole team this is what's acceptable and this is what's not acceptable and these are the rewards and these are the consequences yeah, I, I, and you know, I was thinking my non-negotiables, you know, I, I let a lot of things, uh, there's a lot of things that I don't mind. I'm not a big fan of flexi time, even though I always thought I would be, because I think as it's human nature. What I have found is that when I allow certain people, it depends, but in general with my team, anytime we've tried flexi time, I've noticed tasks getting done at two o'clock in the morning. And I, for me, that's not acceptable because mistakes are happening. Um, and sometimes deadlines are being you know it's too close to deadlines for my comfort level so I've actually stopped all flexi time with my team we have agreed times that we are working and we can move it around if they need to but we have to agree what they are what that what the hours are Um, and the other thing that is non-negotiable for me is the team communication so within Asana I just I'm like even if we talked about it on a call you have to update the tasks so that the team and it it fosters this sense of team collaboration because we need team players in our team. So if somebody's not going to those levels, for me, that is we're we're moving towards a, a bad cultural fit. Even if they've got the skills, they're mm. not they're not they're not they're not understanding the expectations of our culture and how why we're successful as a team. And for that, for me, is when we move to have the conversation. Is it going to work? Are you going to be able to deliver? We try again one more time, and then if it doesn't work, we're out. That's what we do yeah. from now on. Yeah. So it, it's a tricky one, but I, I have noticed a few clients as well. And I feel sorry for the clients that fall into this trap. And I know there'll be people listening on the call that have done this, where they try and they, you know, they they feel bad for the person and the person spins a story as to why, you know, the personal issues and whatever that are going on. You know what? reality check we all have personal issues doesn't matter if we're in the philippines or in australia or in the uk or wherever we are life is life and we have things that happen and you can listen to the sob stories or the excuses and you can continue to be frustrated or you can create some expectations and non-negotiables and parameters around what it is that you require and then if the person isn't meeting those things it's move to move on Absolutely. And just be businesslike about it and unemotional. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's, it, as long as you've set the expectation clearly from the start, then you, it's, you're only holding them to what they've agreed to. You, you know, it's not, you know, often, you know, if somebody doesn't know something, you may sit there and give them that second, second chance uh, and take responsibility. But all in all, you know, people will 
um, if they're the wrong cultural fit, then in my opinion, they need to go. They need to go fast. Yeah, and look, if anyone's listening and thinking, yeah, I'm going to implement this now with my team, I will warn you that you will ruffle feathers and it's a good thing. So recently I sort of up-leveled. Matt and I were talking about this off-air. I've had this massive up-leveling in my business. That's been a good thing. Um, in terms of the structure and how we're, we're our organizational structure. And it opened Pandora's box in that we had a few, it unearthed some risks and some issues that we didn't even know we had uh, with certain people. And although those people are now gone, it actually was a good thing because we um, have moved to another level of, uh, of expectation and uh, professionalism. And I think it was a really good thing, but it was a difficult period. So if you're about to do this, the current people that you have may run a mile. And usually if they run a mile, it's because there's something hiding that you don't know about. Absolutely. Mm. So, yeah, tricky one. But um, just be aware that there there are times when you need to fire someone and it's better to rip the Band-Aid off and, and, and move on. But providing that you have a good structure for, for really, truly unearthing whether that is a problem. The problem is that person or the problem is your business. And that's the tricky bit. Yeah, yeah, and and um, I think I think it's yeah always come from a place of being fair. But if you find yourself, if the same conversation is going on in your head time and time again, that you know, uh, will this per- should I keep this sh- person? Should I keep them? Uh, here's the golden question: If they resigned today, would you feel relieved? Or would you feel like you're losing someone valuable? Oh, that's any, a great one, yeah. And any time you answer relieved, you know what you need to do. And so my advice is rather than disempowering yourself and waiting for them to resign, empower yourself and make the decision to kindly ask them to, to move on. And, and in a lot of instances, you're doing them a favor as much as you're doing you, you and your business a favor. Oh, and I will openly admit to everybody listening to this, that I am only learning that lesson now. Like I have fallen into that trap of waiting, of just taking bad behavior for way too long. And then the person resigning anyway, and me being relieved and thinking, oh my God, I actually paid them for probably six months longer than I should have and got zero output, like, or, you know, close to zero. So we're all, we're all guilty of it. And it's very tricky yeah, to do exactly. yeah. We've all, we've all, we've all uh, made that mistake, you know, myself included, you know, but you learn them, you learn to build that muscle up and uh, you know, it, it really does. Um, the people you want to keep on the team will, will be so appreciative when you move the wrong person out because you know, their lives become easier and they're happy to even work harder and pick up the slack just to just to ensure that the wrong person is not in, on the team anymore. Well, they feel more respected as well because when you're when you're keeping um, when you're keeping someone on the team that everyone else on your team knows is a basically you know a, a non-performer and doing the wrong thing by you, it makes them angry because they're doing the right thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, guys, I hope that's been helpful. A tricky topic that we really wanted to address. And look. If you've got any other questions like this that you want us to address, quite specific things, please let us know. We've got a Facebook group uh, called the Virtual uh, Virtual Success on Facebook. You can join the conversation there. We'd also love you to leave us a review um, and a rating on iTunes if you can, or on Stitcher, where we're also uh, have the podcast now, so that we can get this show out to more people. 
and address more of these questions that honestly so many people out there are having with with virtual teams so matt thanks very much thanks everyone for listening and we'll join you on our next show thanks everyone thank you for listening to the virtual success show if you found this show helpful take a moment to share it with a friend so that we can all grow together Find out more about the inside scoop on outsourcing success by going to our website, virtualsuccessshow.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.